Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiwumi. I'm going through the Gospel of Luke. And I'm right now at Luke chapter 17. And this is a teaching. Get your Bible and read along as we go through it. Step one, verse by verse, I report and give comments or a more explanation to give us some more insight. There we go. Luke chapter 17. Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 17 from verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. So that is how serious offending one another is, because the Lord is saying, in one of these little ones, even if they are just a little child that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this says it's better for the one that's offending them only by offense. Anything that you do to hurt another believer is an offense. So you better be to love one another is what God commands. Verse 3 Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So you see, that's what is on trespass is offense. This man offended me, that man offended me. He said, it's a trespass, you crossed your line against me. He said, take it to yourself. God wants us to love, to walk in love and peace, even on, in the planet Earth. So that's why the Lord is putting it here in a strong word that it were better for the one that caused offense, for a millstone to be hung upon the neck of that man, to, for him to be drowned in the sea, than for him to be offending his brother or his sister, actually in the Lord. So that's why in verse 3 he said, Take key to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, so he gave us some template of how to resolve conflict here. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So the Lord wants us to live in forgiveness, walk in love, forgiving one another. Don't say, No, you've done it two times. I'm going to go forgive you again. No, you have to keep forgiving. And verse 5, And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So he said, If you have faith, you can even tell the tree to uproot, and it, it, should, it should obey you. It should. As long as it will, it should. That is, we have the authority to make it happen. But he's going to give us some caveats in the next verse. But this many times we don't consider this verse 6 and 7 very carefully, but it is only in Luke that this was reported here. He said, It should have obeyed you if you have just a little faith. But it's going to tell us some of the things that we don't take things for granted that they should always obey us because of we are servants of God. This is what he's going to say. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, we say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And we will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and guard thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, 
and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise he, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now if we bring this verse 6 and 7 to bear with everything that the Lord said, what was the Lord referring to in this passage? He said, if you have a grain of fustar seed, a faith as much as that, you should be able to tell even a sick man to a victory, to uproot and go and clamp on the What well, we should best analyze that. If you say to a tree, even a physical tree, which will symbolize anything, we are not talking about, we are just talking about, we are talking of a miracle to be done. Also, a supernatural miracle to be done, which can also be a miracle for your body and so on. But if you say to a tree, be thou uproot and cast into the sea, you say, you should obey you, means, God will answer it because it's God, it is God that is going to make it happen. Is it not so? Any miracle is going to be done by the supernatural power of God, not so. Spiritual power of God. That you are now calling God to, to do a work, not so. If you say a tree, because you have the faith, that faith is enough to make God answer and do it. But now you are calling God to job, to do it, something for you. And the Lord is now trying to make us to see that don't expect God to just be like a servant to us. That's what he's saying there. Eh? But which of you having a servant, if you are expected to be serving God, God will expect that you do what he says, and then after you have satisfied him, God, then he will allow you to do what you want. Like that's why he gives this parable of if you are if you are a, if you have a servant that is working, plowing the field, and then he come back home, you don't just uh, uh, give him the the gifts and the blessing of someone that has been working hard, you still let him serve you because he's a servant. So that that is that's not like a, it's not like a, a what do you call it privilege or or what do you call it if somebody is a duty, a right. You know, it's your right now to sit down and eat, you know. If he is the servant, he still have to serve the boss. So that is what he's using that even though he has been working hard and plowing the field when he comes in you still tell him to, you don't tell him to go sit down and eat first. You tell him to first serve you because he is the servant. Also. So it's just, Christ is trying to make us say that we are the servants of God. We are, to, we are serving God. So if God is going to be answering our prayers, doing anything for us, as he desires after we have pleased him, after we have served him. He said we should be like an unprofitable servant. That's why he summarizes it. So likewise, when you shall have done all those things that we shall commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Don't think you ought to do this for me because I am this to you. No, that means you are, you are presenting your righteousness. We are not to present our righteousness when we are asking for something special for God to do for us. We are to still come humbly before Him as the servant of the Lord. And that has been one of the reasons why I remember a minister that said, sometimes people are praying for healing of their body. And they are coming to God because they are in the church, they are believers, they are full of the Holy Ghost, they are serving God, they are holy. And they can say, Lord, you need to do this to me because I am holy, holier than everybody else here. And that means we are flashing our righteousness before Him. And our righteousness is like picture that we only have to come under the mercy of the blood of Jesus Christ for everything we are getting. And that means we are pleading for mercy and then we answer up because we never, we never ignore mercy. When we are flashing our righteousness, as if, look, I've been working hard, so I, need, I ought to be given this right. So then we do not get it. So that is what this passage is talking about, that we should 
Say we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which it was our duty to do. Okay, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. Now that takes faith. You say, What where is faith in that? The Lord is already saying, Go and show yourself to the priests. Because when lepers in Israel, when they were healed, only the priests were certified that they were being cleansed. So they don't go to the priests only they were cleansed. But they have not seen anything change in their body yet, but it's telling them by faith, Go show yourself to the priests. And so they have to believe that, that he said we should go and show ourselves and we begin to go. So it's like it's an act of faith. An act of faith that as they, are, they went to the priest to show them that well, if he has healed us, we can we have to go and go and show ourselves to the priest also. And it was verse 14 is what we are reading. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So it was faith, their action of faith that they heard what he said and started going towards the city where the priests they go to see was, then they were cleansed. So they took the steps of hearing what God said. And many times when the Lord gave a miracle, like he tells somebody, okay, go do this. And when they go to do it, then the miracle happens. If they begin to reason and say, well, but you have not done what I asked for yet, you know, you are not believing. Remember the story of, uh, of a man that came to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that was either in Luke or in John, and said, come to my, 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 son is, my son is at home sick. The Lord said, okay, go your son leave it. Go your way, your son leave it. So the man just believed what Jesus Christ said and started going home. And that was, the, he had to believe what he said and then start going home. And then on the way, he met some servant and said, oh, your son leave it. And then when did he start? I mean, yesterday, so said, oh, that was when Jesus Christ said, your son leave it. Another place was when the, the Lord Jesus Christ got to that, uh, that place where they said, uh, Anytime the Lord said, rise up and walk, they, if they don't make the effort, the effort is to begin to try to rise up, then they feel that they are able to do it. Even the man that was by the pool of Bethesda, and, and that the gospel, I think the gospel of John also reported that, and they said there are so many sick people in that place, by, in the porch, that, that pool of Bethesda, where the angel always started the water. And Jesus Christ went back to that man and said, will that be made up? And he said, well, you know, I, I didn't get opposition every time. Rise up, take your bed and go. And the man has to make the effort, almost like a command. And when he started taking, trying to rise up, that he just said, like, you could do it, you could do it, you could do it, you could do it, you could carry his bed, you could go. So that effort in obeying what he said is exactly what makes the miracle happen. The same thing is what the story about when, when there was Cana of Galilee and they have no one, and Mary, the mother, just told the servant, whatsoever he said unto you, do it. Don't debate it, don't doubt it, whatever he said, do it. And you just say, okay, you guys fill the water first with water. You say, well, we, we need water, we don't need water, we need wine. No. He said, whatever he said, do it. So they just obey. And they fill the water first with water. And they say, okay, fetch it and go and give it to the governor. They have to obey. And when they fetch it and take it to the governor, they say, it's wine, it's no more water. So that is, do whatever he says. No matter how, how foolish it looks like or it sounds like, that is what's going to give you the miracle. So the same thing, the Lord just said, okay, go show yourself unto the priest, to this lepers. Go show yourself to the priest. You look at them and say they are still sick, they are still leper. 
But if they obey and they obeyed and started going towards the city. And as they were going, before they get to the city, they were healed. So that is what we are trying to point out here that it is if actions of faith that make the miracle to manifest. So now verse 15 says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and went with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, the story about this story is this man went back. They are, they, according to the story, it looked like the man didn't go all the way to the priest first. Once he saw that the miracle has happened, he turned back and came back to just give thanks. Excited that you know, he's healed and he was crying and screaming, thanking Jesus. Well, we don't know. Maybe the other said, well, he said we should go to the priest. Let's just go to the priest first. And they perhaps went to the priest and never get opportunity to go back and thank Jesus. But that man recognized who did it and turned back and went to give thanks. So we don't know what finally happened to those remaining nine. But see what the story said was that when the man fell down, he was, and was on his face and at his, at his feet giving thanks, and he was the Samaritan verse, verse 17, and Jesus answered, said, We were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy feet has made thee old. So we do not know whether those nine that remain, whether they, after they went to the priest, if they finally went back looking for Jesus. Because if they really want to give thanks to God, that's what they should do. Even if they go to the priest and the priest say, oh yeah, you guess okay. They shouldn't go home and just forget about Jesus. They should go and be doing what that man did. But the man was more excited. He said, no, I don't need to the priest, but I want to go first thank him. Because perhaps he was still nearby. So that's what we thought. He was still nearby where he could see Jesus because Jesus was passing somewhere. So if these people went to the priest and never, never see Jesus because they have to go to Jerusalem before they can see him, because he was going across that small town. So that man recognized that this has been done by Jesus, and he turned back and ran after Jesus to give thanks. And perhaps that was what the Lord expected the other nine also to do. And they perhaps went on their way to see, go see the priest. And maybe after they got to the priest, maybe they finally said they were well, they must have given away. We not be able to find Jesus, because he was not sitting in that place where they found him. He was perhaps passing by the set. Because as they passed by, it came to pass as we went to Jerusalem. So if they are going to go give thanks, they have to be running towards Jerusalem to go and look for him also. So but we don't know what Father happened. But this man got not just the healing, he said, Thy faith has made thee whole. So the Lord Jesus can heal the man not only of that leprosy, maybe any other thing in, the, in his body, heal also. So that is what this uh, connotation means for us, verse 19. Now verse 20. So what does that teach us? Give thanks to God. First of all, give thanks to the Lord. When you give your miracle to me, well, let me get the doctor to confirm it that I'm really healed. Well, that perhaps you are doubting. Before you go, give thanks to God. When you know that you are healed, give thanks to God. That is faith. The Lord told that man, go and show yourself. And when you are going, they saw that you are healed. You know you are healed. Well, they wanted to go and confirm it with doctors first. No, they give thanks to the Lord that I'm healed. Because that is going to make it permanent. So he wants us to give thanks, to give testimony also. Verse 20. Verse, we are reading Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or Lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What does that mean? The kingdom of God is within us. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, 
they were thinking of a physical kingdom that's going to come down and start the reign on earth. But see, they didn't know the timetable of God. Christ said, the kingdom of God is not going to be like that. It's going to start within us. And the kingdom is within us means Christ is ruling our life, ruling your individual life. That's the beginning of the kingdom of God. When you are surrendered to God and God is ruling you in your lifestyle, in your holiness, in your righteousness, avoiding sin, then the kingdom of God is already ruling in your body, in your soul, in your life. And God wants to do that for every person that will come, to start his kingdom in you. Because if you are now lined up with heaven, and now I'm lined up with heaven, and, line, and if everybody is lined up with heaven, we'll be doing what heaven wants, and the kingdom of God is now on earth. If everybody on earth is now doing what God wants, then you, we, we have the right government also. Because there will be holy people on the government. Because everybody is doing that. So that is why it, God wants to start with individual of us. But you see, the whole world will not yield to him. So only those that come to Christ. So in the end, we have to wipe out the, the, the kingdom of this world. All these unbelievers that are ruling, cheating, that's called the kingdom of darkness. Because they are never going to be the old man raised on that, will be turned to God. Only those that is calling that are turning to Christ. But at the end, the kingdom of God will reign. The kingdom of God will reign on this planet when Christ shall come. Before he came, there will be a nuclear war that will destroy masses again. And those that are left will be allowed to repopulate the earth. According to the book of Revelation chapter 20, there will be a 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth. That is the kingdom of God ruling physically as the government of the, on this world, the government of Christ. So that is the one day what in the Jewish land, in those generations were taking is for me, when Christ will be reigning physically. But you see, God wanted to start by reigning in our hearts, every person that comes to him, reigning in your heart. God wants to reign in our That's kingdom of God within us. God reigning in our soul, reigning in our body, reigning in our life. We are living for him. So that he's controlling us. Then, when he's, on, when he's ruling on the earth, everyone that's living on earth will be led by God and controlled by God. That's the kingdom within us is what he wants to start first. Verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. That is the day of people will want, Oh, I wish Jesus Christ is doing signs and wonders again. And we can see right now in the, our generation that there are ministers that are preaching the gospel, and miracles happen here, here, but it's still one out of many. People by line up, and the moment 10% is here, 20% here. Um, diseases were not here. So we are seeing just fragments of the kingdom of God manifested. Like when Christ came, when he was preaching, all were here. Mighty miracles were done because the fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. But now only many, only many of us ministers of the gospel, we are given the spirit of God by measure. So we can only do a little a measure of it, not full blown. So but he said, the day will come, we all want to see this mighty God manifesting in, 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 in Christ again, where the fullness of the Godhead is manifesting upon the earth. That is what he said. When he said, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. I mean, they want to see God manifesting in the fullness of the Godhead again, where all things are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. That is important. That look like impossible before. The dead being raised. He's going to be doing a little here, a little here, through the churches, through the ages. But at the end of the world, there's going to be a mighty downpour again. That's how I believe. Verse 23. The Lord continues to say, And they shall say to you, See, yeah, or see, there, that is trying to say the Lord Jesus Christ has come. And His mighty miracle is happening over there and over there. Go not after them, nor follow them. 
was the lightning that lightened hell out of the one part under heaven, signed on the other part under heaven. So shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Now talking about the second coming of the Lord. Verse 25 says, But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. So he, that was where the Lord was telling them that the generation he visited of the Caiaphas and Annas and all the apostles there, they, they, they are, the Jews reject, they will reject him. He was telling them they are going to reject him. And that was why they crucified him, that he rose again and went on back to heaven. And he's going to come back from that sky again as a adult, not a baby that was born. When he came, he born as a baby, as a human being among us. And now is that human being went back to heaven, going to come back as an adult like that, to take over the earth. That is what he was saying. But he said, first, he must be, he must suffer many things and be rejected of that generation, this generation that he was talking to. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall he be also in the days of the Son of Man. That is when he is coming back the second time, be like the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? When the world was flooded, destroyed with the flood, only Noah and his she and his family were saved in a, in, a, in, a, in an ark. So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man? Verse 27, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, at least everything will be going as normal. Everything they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were getting married, they were doing all the things that normally human beings are doing or not. But no one knew that something's coming to happen. He was building a hack. And then the day lot went no again to the hack, and they know I got into the hack and with somebody and all this animal. That's when the, the flood came and destroyed all the people of the hack, except those that are in the hack. Christ said that is how it's going to be at the end of the world when it's coming back. That is only the few people that are going to be saved, the saints, the Christians that are watching these things, are going to escape. But everything will go on as normal. And that is what this passage is talking to about. So they said they eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given a marriage, I mean nothing of those will stop, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 20, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, with what happened in the days of Lord. Lord was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that also is a prophecy that the sin that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah also will be happening in the world. We can see that it's happening right under that generation. Homosexuality has oh, like, a, like a plague that suddenly became, they are no more in the closet now. That homosexuality has been in all those days only that they were in the closet because the government of their generation never wanted them to be like that. So there was no against it. So they were doing it underground, seeking almost like a drug. That those who are doing drugs, they are doing it underground, secret also. They suppose they make it power to make it legal. Then the drug dealers become legal also. They got the rampant everywhere. That was what it was in the days of, uh, in the days of uh, uh, homosexuality. They were doing it secret underground. Even in the days of King David, they have sodomites there. Sodomites, they call them. Because the law was against it, so they were underground. But now look at our generation, America, and many other countries. They were legalizing it. And when they legalize it, the devils come out openly. They are now openly gay, openly this. They come out of the closet. The end is near. That's what the devil says. Like it was in the days of Lot. They were openly gay. That they went and attacked the house of Lot. They went to rape the men that came into, into, into Lot's house. They saw the men and these are strangers. Oh, yeah. Big meat. It's just fish. And they wanted to attack them to, to combine Sodom with them. And that was the 
destruction of Solomon and Gomorrah. And the rest said, that was how the devil will be in the world right now. They have legalized homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and all those evil things are going on worldwide. And even America is promoting it to have other countries to legalize it too. Legalize it too. And they became evil. I mean, the government that is promoting it became ungodly. No, abomination is what the word, the word of God used. Abomination. They are trying to spread that abomination to other governments. There are some governments say, no, don't bring it over here. Keep it in your country. Even the Russia, they thought was uh, atheist. They are no more atheists. They are saying, you keep it in your country. Don't bring an uh, abomination to our own country. That is the America that used to claim to be God's country. But some devils have taken over. That the governments of the, of the nation, especially when they are the Democrats, they are now promoting homosexuality. They wanted the country to legalize them, same-sex marriage. A shame. It's a, it's a shame that a man like, a, like a, when the first black, man, black person became the, uh, the, the, the president, that was when this evil became rampant because they got money from some uh, from, uh, sodomites that are sponsoring them. Some sodomites that are sponsoring them. Some billionaires told them sodomites that wanted to promote it. And they will now begin to promote it. Abomination, what the Bible calls it. And they are going to be judged in the lake of fire. In the lake of fire is where you are all going if you don't repent. If you don't repent, better repent. Both the president and ex-president and the Democrats and the Republicans are still doing that too because not only Democrats, there are many Republicans that are also secretly, you can because their publicity is not having that platform, that there are many of them that are also homosexual. See? Repent. And not only homosexual repent, but what about the, the gamblers that are promoting casino everywhere? Repent. What about all the prostitutes? Repent. They are all, every sin must be, only Christ can save you. So repent and come to Christ and be saved. So the Lord Christ was giving you an example. He said, as it was in the days of Lot, They drank, they eat, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. I mean, things will be going normal. But say the homosexual are also there in the streets of Lord, doing their own thing. They become free to do whatever they like to do. But the same day that Lord went out of Sodom, they say, the angels came and visited that place and told Lord, get out of here, this place will be destroyed. The same day that Lord went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So we are believing God that this day there will be a rapture. That's why we are trusting God for, for the true believers in Christ. Because the homosexuals they may really claim they will go to church too. Because some so-called denominations are legalizing that the homosexuals are, can be even with the priests, can be pastor in their, in their midst. Abomination. See? That's how far the devil will be allowed to go. But the day the rapture takes place, because God will come, only those who are watching him, he said that unto them that look for him will he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Lord will come suddenly, and the saints will suddenly disappear. The true believers in Christ, the Lord is marking them, they get ready, get ready, get ready. Just like Lot was warned in his house that overnight, not like he was not even giving 24 hour notice, 24 hour notice, he was giving overnight notice. Maybe if something was coming, that was why he was washing the gate until he saw these two angels, and he thought they were just uh, strangers trying to protect them. But the morning, get out of this city, we are going to destroy this city. Yeah. And that was what the Lord was saying that the day Lot went out of the house, out of the city, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. But that even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, that is when Christ is coming back, it will be like that. 
Only the saints, the believers that are washed, that are praying, that are fasting, that are looking unto Jesus, we know that it's near. It's near. Because the Holy Spirit is leading us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And suddenly they are disappeared. Then the calamity will come upon the rest of the world. But God will still protect some that are, that are left. Verse 31. I'm, look, I'm reading Luke chapter 17, verse 31. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Verse 32 says, Remember Lord's wife. Now, this section that was put here, this Bible verse that was put here, could be talking about Israel. The day of AD 70 when there was war. Or you could also just talking about the end because when he said, don't come back to take anything in, if, you are, if you are in the house, stop, don't even come down. That's talking about there will be sudden thing like war that's coming up that, that was actually put in, the, in Luke chapter 21 for the, when he was prophesying about the end of the world or prophesying to the apostles about the, what is going to happen to Jerusalem. That was where this Bible verse also have been drawn from. In that day, he which shall be upon the house top and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. He's talking about they have to run for their life. But I started to remember Lord's wife. Now, that was put in there in, in response to the fact that if God told Lord, when God told Lord to get out, himself and his wife and his children, get out and don't look back. And his wife turned back because perhaps she, she, she has more important thing in Dodom than to, that she didn't want to lose. They said they have other daughters, not so that are married there that didn't get to escape, not so. And then the woman passed thought that these people are not really angels. So she didn't Paras didn't believe Paras didn't believe. And she turned back, wanted to go back to go get her own things or, or stay with her family, or whatever, stay with her daughters, whatever it is. And that was exactly just because he remembered Lord's wife. She first escaped, but she turned back. Don't turn back in your mind. Keep following Jesus. That's what he's teaching us. Don't turn back in your heart. Keep following Jesus. You have to stand firm to the end. And then we shall escape all these rods that's coming upon you. Verse 33. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. That's the warning. When we are following Jesus Christ, don't try to save your life. Just commit your will to the hand of the Lord. Because if you try to save your life, you are going to do what they want you to do. Like You don't, you don't want to be persecuted. You don't want to be killed for, for not taking their Islam or false religion. You'll be, you'll be denying Christ. But if you try to save that, you try to save your life. But if you lose your life, say, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready for Christ. Whatever no matter happened to me, and then you will be one of those that will be saved in the end. Pastor Ifo said, I tell you in that night, there shall be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Now, this section here was talking to us that many people believe he's talking about the rapture, the sudden disappearance of the believer that are truly worshipped. And God is going to take one and the other one may not be a believer. So they find that somebody disappeared. That is how we expect this thing to be, imagine, our own imagination that that is how the rapture will take place. That's People they can be on the field, one, one disappear in the church, some people disappear, some people are left behind that are not really ready for him. He said that those that are ready will disappear. So that is what we believe this section of two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. 
And they, the Bible said they, ans they answered him and said, where, to? where are you taking them to? Where are they taking them to? Because it's not, the way it was reported here, does not look like they know what he was talking about. So that's why they said, they said, where? No, I mean, where are they taking to? And he said unto them, wheresoever the body is, Peter will the eagles be gathered together. With that, it's a parable that is where the body is. He's talking about eagles gathered when they have a, a beach, not so food. An animal has just died, and the eagles gathered there to eat it. So it's like a feast. So he's not saying, where is it? Where is it? One taking the other left. One taking the Take it away. That's what they asked him. Take it away. The way it was reported here, he was not uh, giving a complete explanation. They say, wherever the body is, that's where the eagles gather. Now, if we use that as a prophetic, with eagles represented in this prophetic language, you represent prophets. Prophets or servants of God. Prophets. Wherever the body is, the body that they are talking about is the body of Christ. Wherever the Lord takes the body of Christ to, that's where his, the prophets are also gathered there. So that is what this verse 37 is signifying to us that the Lord is talking about the day is going to come, suddenly he's going to take his people out of here to wherever himself is, and that's where all of them will be gathered to before the world is destroyed. And that is what this verse 37 is symbolizing. That is the end of chapter 17. And uh, we are going to continue in chapter 18 in the next broadcast. God bless you.